Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, Dieter Kurtenbach is here, and I have one question for you, Dieter. Yeah. Are you ready for the country to open back up? Are you ready for everyone to just get wow. sick? And not yeah. die, but literally, we're just going to kill the old people. That's that's the new American strategy, uh, according to uh, the Republican Party and the president. We're just going to kill the old people. And if you listen to the lieutenant governor of Texas on, uh, what was it, Fox News last night? Yeah, on, Tuck, or on, on, on Pop. To be fair. Uh, is, or no, it was on Tucker, time. right? It was on Tucker, who is actually like man of the people now because he realized that being an elitist uh, Northeast prick wasn't working out for him. So now he's like populist Tucker, which, you know, good pivot. Uh, yeah, and, and Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor of Texas, goes, <laughs> not the you know, as a grandfather, I am ready to die for capitalism. Yeah. I am ready to die so that the stock market goes back up. Well, he's about to prove it. Uh, by the way, the stock market won't go back up in, in that scenario. In fact, it will collapse further because, um, you know, uh, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people dying. Uh, not great for the economy, but uh, oh, fuck it. I mean, it, it, the church of capitalism is is now in in session. Um, Sam, I, I often times in, in this business, uh, knowing the low margins that we have going on as sports writers, and certainly we have the greatest job on the planet for as long as we have them, and uh, we're not complaining in any way, shape, or form, but very few get rich. We're not, you know, nice that we're not doctors. We're not lawyers or anything. We're not a, we're not hyper wealthy, man. We do just fine for ourselves. And there are oftentimes living in this fine state of California. I think to myself, do I really need to be paying 13% to the state of California or whatever it is I'm paying? Uh, Someone else deals with that for me, but like the tax rate effectively here is 13%. And I often think, man, I could move to Texas or even Nevada for a while. Lived in Florida, and I needed every penny and a little bit more. And just thinking, man, uh, it could definitely avoid. You know, I could keep thirteen percent in my pocket. And Jesus Christ, have I I've never been happier to pay that thirteen percent than right now. I I was watching Gavin Newsom last night uh, on my phone, as one has to do in these crazy times. And I have been a fairly heavy, outspoken critic of uh, Mr. Coif. Uh, he he is a love of the fame, not exactly love of the game kind of guy for me. But the bar has been so lowered in terms of how to handle this in a competent manner that I was just thinking like that that guy that guy's got it all figured out. And, oh, we've uh, we've got like look. I mean, like you and I are both Democrats. I think that I technically probably... I'm not a member. Of, I'm not a member of the party. Okay, so I probably go further left on the spectrum than you do yes, to be you certain. Do. You do. But I mean, fucking Gavin oh. Newsom and Andrew Cuomo are out here, yeah. uh, looking like geniuses, and like no, they're just Cuomo looking, no, that's, that's ago, the irony. They're just looking baseline competent in right. their jobs that they were hired to do. I mean, they don't and look like, like geniuses. again. Andrew Cuomo, like there was a time I think where he was like promoting taking supplements to like stop coronavirus, mm-hmm. which is really dumb and bad. Please, and don't please do stop that. that. Please stop doing that. Like you can take over the counter zinc. It ain't going to stop shit, but you might feel better. Right. Like it is just crazy to me. And now we've got, um, I believe that there was just a report in the Hollywood reporter, like as we've Mm. been recording this, that Disneyland and Disney world are about to reopen on April 1st. No, don't do that. (laughs) Stop. This is bad. At what point, when the C let's just go, 
Okay, um, let's take Donald Trump for what he is, which is a mush brain reality TV show star who um, is put in as a puppet for the Republican Party. And what a job he is doing as a puppet for the Republican Party. Um, at what point do people did people forget? OK, we could talk about, oh, we got to do this for this long, that long. At what point do people forget that the CDC, which, God, yeah, forgive me for thinking that they might know something about this whole infectious diseases thing. The CDC said eight weeks, no groups of 50 or more, eight weeks, no groups of 50 or more. And now we're yeah. talking like we're all going to go to church on Easter Sunday and we're going to open up Disneyland and Disney World. Like this is how shit gets overrun. We did not flatten the curve with a half-assed week. Like it just didn't happen. And to think by the way, half half ass is right, given the fact that how many of those uh, spring breaking uh, those yeah. damn kids? Well, it was it wasn't even national, and we didn't even do we didn't do a perfect job here in California, but we did better. But like assholes yeah. were playing basketball, and everyone decided that their one walk a day would happen happen in the same damn place, which I felt prey to. Don't get me wrong. I'm walking around my lovely island of Alameda, and I go, I'm going to go walk by the beach because you know it might be empty wrong it was separated there was all you know everyone was given six feet it wasn't like packed or anything and yeah. frankly the beach will probably get you sicker than the coronavirus but like it, it everyone just thinks like oh i'll go to the beach you know i want to i want to feel like i'm alive again just stay on your block just walk your block just walk your damn block uh and instead we're like yeah you know, everyone hanging out at state parks and hiking trails so that they can feel the baseline liberty uh, nothing's going to feel as good as when we're able to just get back to something resembling normal. But the longer we put off doing the hard thing, the longer it's going to take to get back to that normal. And again, one half ass week where a couple of states actually had a lockdown and everyone else just said, fuck it and did whatever the hell they wanted, didn't do shit. It takes 14 days for this bad boy to work. You have asymptomatic stuff. It's not like the flu. Like, it, it, it just it isn't at all. Not only is it twice as contagious, 10 times as deadly, it also doesn't act in the same way. You have asymptomatic people walking around. It hits the elderly at a, at a, a higher rate. Obviously, Peter, the elderly I don't know if you, harder I don't know if you heard this. What? It's about the same as cars. And... We can't stop driving cars because you know what cars do. They're definitely contagious. And all of that gas that comes out of the tailpipe, it infects the other cars. And then those cars become more likely to wreck from being infected by the other cars, which is apparently what we don't have forget to we don't have talk about within this conversation. We don't have exponential growth of car crashes per day. It's crazy. It's crazy. not like Monday we had five car crashes, and then we're going to have 25 on Tuesday, and then we're going to have 125 on Wednesday. It's not like that. Like, w clearly, we're not very smart, right? Donald Trump is the president of the United States, of all the people on the goddamn planet. I, I would rather have Mr. Peepers from SNL running the country right now. At least he would take advice. Like, it, 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 this guy has no concept of what he's doing. Uh I'm asking for Mike Pence to run the goddamn show. Mike Pence, whose number one goal is to pray it away like we're some gay kids in Indiana or HIV. It's just like it is it is a calamity, a calamity at the executive branch of monumental heirs. And honestly, even though I'm not a member of the Democratic Party and I, I probably never joined because I do enjoy my independence and I do have somewhat libertarian viewpoints compared to the Democratic Party in general, like the fact that you and I – of the age that we're at 
and I imagine the age that a lot of people who listen to this are, kind of in that 30-year-old ballpark. The fact that we're going to live through two massive recessions brought about by complete wholesale incompetence from Republican presidents. And the fact that that's going to happen two times in 14 years, 12, 12 years, and that no one's going to learn the fucking lesson might as well qualify us as a failed state. It's really crazy that no one has figured this out yet, like that the voter – well, not no one because more people voted for Democrats than voted for Republicans last time. But And they will again, and then this will all get blamed on, you know, old Uncle Joe. And and frankly, you know, he's not without blame here. But like – um, I mean, not for the absolute fact. I mean, this fucking moron pretended that it wasn't a thing, said it was a Democratic hoax, which, by said the way, that bad branding. We have 15 cases, and it's going to be zero soon. Right now, has, I think we're at like 40,000 cases. He has CNDC pundit Larry Kudlow going on TV because that's the only person who still fucking works for him going on TV and pushing this notion that it's completely – I believe the term was airtight – it's locked. We're, we got it locked up. It's airtight, by the way. Great. I mean, it, it's really airtight in my fucking house right now where I have to stay because this disease is so out of control. And we don't, again, have we don't have any treatment plan for it that isn't completely experimental. And we have no vaccine and we have no built in antibodies from things that are even remotely close to it. It's a goddamn snake disease. Like the notion that this is somehow like the common flu is limited because the common flu, again, we have a vaccine for it. You can get one right. every year. We have <laughs> antibodies from being exposed to it our entire goddamn life. And oh, by the way, it's half as infectious and 10 times less deadly. And, that, and that's across the board. Um, but, you know, this guy's basically just saying it's going to go away. And then at the beginning, and did nothing, did nothing to prepare nationally um, because they don't believe in federal government, including in times of crisis, apparently. Uh did nothing at all. And then at the beginning of the week, when the reality of the situation, which everyone else had been fully aware of for roughly a month, and let's just be conservative and say two weeks, when they finally got word that, hey, this might be really bad. And uh, well, you know, you see what the stock market is doing, because it's going to be really bad. Um, then they started freaking out. And by the end, it, fucking eight days later, they're like, no, it's fine. We fixed it. Like, this is how an eight year old would run things. And I don't mean that hyperbolically. Like, he, he rambles on like an eight-year-old. He doesn't have he doesn't have evidence like an eight-year-old. He can't cite any data. There's no scientific basis to anything he's saying. It's just like an eight-year-old spewing shit all day, every day. And I, as a professional spewer of shit, am offended. And we're a lot of needless people. A lot of people are going to needlessly die because of this. And um, by the way, the, I don't know what to do. Not the most infuriating part, probably the second most infuriating part about this. We'll get to the most infuriating thing yeah. in a second. But this, the second most infuriating part is that the guys who are not Donald Trump and are not morons, uh, oh, who yeah. had this information in the Senate, decided to clear their stock market por- portfolio. Uh, Richard Burr. Yeah, Richard Burr and the, the new one from Georgia. And, uh, Kelly Loeffler. Yeah. Kelly Loeffler, who, by the way, I mean, fucking perfect casting there. Kelly Loeffler, who's, I, be, I believe that her husband is like the head of the New York Stock Exchange. He is. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Shocking how that works, right? Uh, and, I'm, I'm, like, I honestly, I honestly like, couldn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, these people are saying like, Oh, yeah, we uh, did it just based off of public information. 
what part of your brain uh, determines what is public and what is private based off of the meetings that you have been in? Where Richard Burr, by the way, is like the head of the intelligence committee, so he gets Richard, all of this stuff. Rich, like, Richard Burr is uh, – they're going to get away with it because why would they? It's, it's a disaster. This is, is what happens. And this is – And this, this is, is why – this, this stuff is exactly why the Democrats – want to hold up the stimulus bill because the Republicans made it as odious as possible by putting in this like $500 billion provision where companies just get bailed out, right? Like it is literally a slush fund and it's just not going to people. And I think that that's the most offensive part. Yes. Anything that the Republicans have put together so far, and this isn't like, I don't even mean to like just shit on like the rank and file Republicans, like the people. Who oh, I don't care about shitting on them because what they shouldn't be is rank and like, file I don't anymore. Think, sure. I agree with that. But like, I don't think that they are the true issue here. I think that a majority of, of the issue are these people in power that just so blatantly think that we're all so dumb and that they what can get away I, with help yeah. with just helping out their friends that run these big corporations. There's literally not been a single thing put forward by a Republican yet that I've seen, other yeah. than like Mike DeWine and uh, is it uh, Priester in Illinois? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very few of these Republicans, I shouldn't say any of them, but very few of the Republicans involved at the highest levels of government have put forth anything that would actually trickle down to the people in regard to helping them survive this. And that Operative is what word is trickle I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, they're so concerned about the economy, but they're not concerned about the people who actually make up the economy. I, mean, I, I but yeah. like, again, how is this surprising in any way, shape or form? Like this is their fucking MO. And again, the reason I'm not a Democrat anymore is because they couldn't do anything. I mean, these guys are, wor- these Republicans are world class assholes and the Democratic Party can't do anything. They're so bad at messaging and everything that they can't even, they can't even, you know, win. They can't even get one win on these guys. Uh, and, and it's just, it is absolutely unfathomable. And so this will just perpetuate into perpetuity because we have a partisan media. We've always had a partisan media, but it's, it's now probably more uh, intrinsically well, partisan, partisan than before. Partisan media is partisan toward telling both sides as opposed mm. to telling what's actually happening. And I think that that is a significant problem. I think that well, you know, we're, we're getting CNN, away from for that. instance, CNN actually did a really good thing yesterday. Uh, I mm-hmm. kind of clowned them for sending out like a push alert of dollars versus deaths. What, right. uh, you know, uh, how are we going to get through that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they positioned it like a sports thing. But I will say that CNN yesterday cut away from the Donald Trump press conference mm-hmm. while he was just up there like spouting bullshit and lies. Uh And that is what more news organizations should be doing. They should not let people run rampant uh, without being held held accountable for telling the truth. And, like, whenever I find out, like, whenever I get told something in regard to basketball news, I don't just write it. Like, I don't just use myself as a mouthpiece. Like, I use critical thought to say, okay, is this true? Is this person trying to take me for a ride? What's happening? The political media does not do enough of that. Not even close. And it's enormously frustrating because the stakes are 99 times higher in 
their world than it is in the sports world. Ninety nine times. I mean, our stuff is marginal. Ninety nine thousand. Like whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's actually life and death. I mean, it's. Um, but they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. And so. Let's at some point we just have to accept the reality of the situation is this. It's every man for himself and take care of your own fucking take care of yourself. And I cannot advise enough staying the fuck home as well as long as you can. And um, we are, by the way, people at Liberty University, uh, like students might not have the opportunity to do that anymore because Jerry Falwell is students to return and ordering faculty to come back to work. Like it's a little, it's it's just a little easier with the fact that a lot of these kids are are young and hopefully they've quarantined off the campus. Frankly, they should probably quarantine off the people who go to Liberty University anyway, just from the general populace for fear of contagiousness. Stupidity. Liberty's in like Lynchburg, right? Yeah. It's somewhere in Virginia. I believe it's in Lynchburg. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Liberty University people don't interact with other people in Lynchburg and other people in the state of Virginia. It right. is so recklessly and blatantly irresponsible to do this. I, I just do not understand how you can come to the conclusion that we're at a point where uh, we should be willing to sacrifice Quite literally, potentially a million lives, most of which will come from older uh, folks of our population. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if I am any school involved in future athletic competitions against Liberty University, I am absolutely canceling those. Yes. Right now until there is a vaccine for this novel coronavirus, because there is no excuse for any other university to put their students at risk if Liberty goes back to school um, as of this week. Again, the CDC, who I think has a pretty good fucking read on stuff like this, not a partisan organization in any way, shape, or form. These are (laughs) the Center for Disease Control says that 50-plus people shouldn't shouldn't have any gatherings of that for eight weeks. That's mid-May. That's 50. We have states, by the way, Republican states, super liberal commie states like California, like Washington state, who, who the knows what, who knows what the fuck that is. Like we have all these states that are, well, yes. Parts of it are liberal. Then again, the, like I will tell the, you, the I, have one met some, is. I have met some very uh, conservative Eastern Washingtonians. You should, you should come and meet uh, Heather's family that lives on uh, the opposite side of the Puget Sound. Let's just put it this way. Um, they wanted to see the long form birth certificate. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God. not Heather's family per se, but, uh, you know, when you, when you extend it out one, one step further, uh, let me, let me put it, we go up there quite frequently and, uh, I get my fill of, uh, Trump 2020 signs and bumper stickers and stuff oh, for, for the whole month. Um, and that's, I can see Seattle, uh, from, from, from the house. Uh, like it, it's not, a question of politics, and that's the scary part to me. Um, and again, not surprising when we have so many people who just refuse to believe that global warming is a thing. Why? Why wouldn't we just believe that you know diseases are all in our head? Like I, I don't. Uh, epidemiologists are are lying, and it's all fake news. Like why wouldn't we believe it? We, we've clearly just decided or at least a a significant plurality of people in this country have decided that science holds no sway. And um, the more people 
who continue to believe that the more fucked we are long term. Uh, and honestly, they're really just they're really fucking themselves over. Um, and they're the ones who are going to get hit hardest. And I'm afraid that these people are so stupid that when that reckoning comes, they'll blame everybody else but themselves. And um, I don't know. I mean, the only upside of this, and it is hard to find upsides, is that there is no fucking way this eight-year-old is going to be president anymore. And um, that, that's pretty much, other than beer, the only thing getting me through the days. By the way, I have real concerns because if you look at polling right now, his approval rate is higher than it's ever been. Yeah, well, we'll 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 see how that goes. I, uh, yeah, basically, I, th- this is a this is a long tail process that I can't imagine is going to end well for him, just based off of science. Uh, I I sure I sure wish stuff would magically happen and it did start working out for him all of a sudden because that would mean that everything's just everything just worked better. out through You're magic. Fine. That'd be great. So in funnier news, the 76ers uh, ownership decided to try to get all of their coaching staff in front office to agree to a 20% salary reduction. Uh, Mm -hmm. And unsurprisingly, among many, there was an apprehension on giving money back (laughs) to the ownership when the ownership is run by Josh Harris, who is worth $3.7 billion. Dollars, but not it's, million, it's not it's billion. not it's not liquid, Sam. And I believe that David Blitzer is worth something like one point five, one point three billion. And so Michael between Rubin's the two of them, two we're talking five billion dollars. And these dudes want front office personnel and coaching staff members on the assistant staff to give back money. What in the? How did the Sixers think? This was going to end for them. And it's just a long line of the 76ers being incredibly callous and stupid uh, in regard to handling not only uh, public relations-based decisions, but fan-based <laughs> relations-based uh, decisions. I think I saw the, be- the best thing I saw was um, the 76ers owners underestimated that um, the only thing that Philadelphians hate more than the coronavirus is their own sports teams and that they would gladly turn on them. No, that's Mets fans, not uh... <laughs> pretty much anything in the Northeast at this juncture. Yeah, By the true. way, uh, Syndergaard just going down with Tommy John. Like, the fuck was he doing? He just, like, he just tore his UCL so, today? I think I read a report that said he uh, had told the Mets staff that he was feeling elbow discomfort before <sighs> everyone, uh, like, departed. I- I would like to discuss later on in the show how starting pitchers are running backs uh, in the 2020s and that we will no longer give starting pitchers big money. But let's talk about assholes and trying to yeah. get back 20%. Um, the pro- Yeah, we should. But the problem with starting pitching is that it's a lot more important than running backs. Yes, yes, yes. And there is a high end and a low end, I think, with certain trainings. And I think that that low end will come up significantly and that the high end might not look as high, especially with limited pitch counts going forward. So yes, you're right on that. I I think it's, I think it's still an interesting thought exercise for perhaps another time. And Lord knows we have plenty of it. Um, Yeah. These guys, these guys suck. These guys expand. Should I expand on how much they suck? I, I, is it is it not at all a little bit weird that the NBA players are still getting paid even though there's no guarantee that there will be any more games? I mean, aren't they supposed to be paid on a per-game basis? So from what I understand, it's 
not a guarantee that they will be paid uh, after like April 1st. Okay. So basically like at the end of the theoretical regular or it season. Might, it might be April 15th. It's yeah. like one of the days. Yeah. So once the playoffs were supposed to start, then guys, that they consider that the 82. Right. Um, that makes some sense. It is interesting. Um, I would, if I'm going to give any benefit of the doubt, and boy, I got to dig deep to find it. Um, maybe they're just trying to get rid of Brown. Like maybe this is just I honestly little... that's the first thing I said was <laughs> you don't do this to employees that you're right. trying to keep, basically. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. Because it just pisses them off and makes them not want to work for you. And that's not well, what you want. They do I mean they do have the market advantage of uh there are gonna be a lot of unemployed people when this is all said and done and uh, taking twenty percent less to actually have a job might sound like a uh, a viable option in the long run, but it's, it's really yeah. shitty. I mean, these guys suck, but let's establish firmly that these guys suck. I also like, but they're under contract. Like you can't yeah, pay the goddamn people, contract. You pay out the contract, man. Like you legally speaking, really tricky. So like when I got shit, when we all got shit canned at Fox sports, um, I had a two year contract. And so it still had about eight months left on it, which just shows uh, how much of the uh, <laughs> into the experiment that we were. We were nipping on ESPN and Comscore, and they fired everyone after like 14 months. So uh, awesome, good good job, um, like tripled web traffic. But uh, uh, it all it took was basically me being like, I have a contract, and if we have to go to court um, to you know make sure that that contract remains intact, then so be it. But you can't just terminate the contract for the language of the contract, there wasn't even another conversation. They just paid out the contract. So the notion that any of these guys would be like, yeah, no, you're going to have to talk to my lawyer or didn't, wouldn't have been like, you got to talk to my lawyer is really ridiculous. Like legally speaking, they, they were probably going to lose money in all the legal fees they had to pay just to get, you know, contract lawyers to, to fight this in like some sort of a court. Like it's absolutely like who thought this was a good idea on any level. Like I understand yeah, it's, it's a theoretically ask. wanting to save money, but like uh, I don't think you can save money that way. I think that that costs you more money than you would have saved. It's an absolutely ridiculous ask for that reason. And because you know, it's going to get out. There's not a circumstance where a story like no. this doesn't get out. The Woj tweets during out, this were weird. Did you did you like take note of the peculiarities of the Woj tweets where it's like other teams are now weighing the PR effect of this? And it's just like they weren't before. Oh, I would imagine they were before. And Philadelphia was just the first one to try and pull the ripcord, which, again, is not stunning, given the fact that Josh Harris uh, ran, if I remember correctly, it's called Apollo. Right. Mm -hmm. Apollo the, Global Management, one of the world's yeah, largest the alternative investment firms, which sounds like a vulture hedge fund. Yeah. And that's the way that that shit works. It's super cutthroat and they try to get every single dime that they can out of their employees. And Josh Harris, frankly, has run the 76ers in this way since he has taken them over. So it is I a just hedge fund, by the way. It's a what? It's a vulture hedge fund. Like, it, it's just crazy. It's crazy to me that um, that someone thought this was a good idea because very clearly it was not a good idea. And I don't understand why you would try and go for it. Uh, it resulted in Josh Harris having to release the dreaded Notes app apology. What was that? By, what, was that Woj's notes? Was that his notes? Like, 
I'm sure it was like a screenshot of Josh Harris's notepad. Like, and he yeah. just sent it to Woj and Woj posted it. Um, yeah. Statement from Josh Harris. Our commitment all- has been to do our best to keep all of our employees working through this very difficult situation as part of an effort to do that. We asked salaried employees to take a temporary 20% pay cut while preserving everyone's full benefits and keeping our 1500 hourly workers paid throughout the regular season. So they're tr- like, even in this statement, Josh Harris is like trying to guilt the 20 per- the salaried yeah. employees to take the 20% pay cut. Cause he's like, Oh, this is how we keep our hourly workers paid. No, you keep your fucking hourly workers paid by shelling out a, like $500,000 of your $3.7 billion and giving it to your workers during this time of need. This shit is not hard. <laughs> How do you feel? It's not hard. Like, it's such a drop in the bucket for someone like Josh Harris to do this. And I get you don't become rich by just handing out money. But when you have this much money, and I get that it's tied up in other shit. I'm sure that he can. I mean, who knows how much he's actually worth today? Um, if it needs still, to be. It still starts with a B. <laughs> if you need to pay $5 million, it is quite literally what? Like one five hundredth of your net worth like yeah. I don't which by it. the which by the way you have that much money there's no way that you're not immediately going back into the market at this low point and will ride the wave up when things right. get better like the notion that uh you know twenty seven thousand in the dow which we had two weeks ago or whatever is just never going to happen again is asinine like it always comes up it takes a while it sucks it blows and uh, the people are already feeling it in a big way. Uh, I'm feeling it. I'll feel it probably more down the line. Like, we're not immune. We're lucky. We're still getting paychecks. We can work at home. Yeah. Um, but, like, who the fuck knows? I mean, I work for a newspaper and a radio station. Radio station ain't going to be giving me any more hours. That's a That was a happy, fun time, everything's up sort of a gig. And who the fuck knows with a newspaper going forward? So we'll, we'll see about, like, all of that. I feel the anxiety of all of it. Don't get me don't get me wrong. But like you can't do anything about it. And ultimately if your morals are money is more important than lives, uh you're a jackal and uh, I, I don't want to be around you. And this guy mm-hmm. trying to, you know, scrape you know, scrape by and tighten everybody else's belt loops instead of his own is uh it's a bad look. I will. I will ask you. Here, this here is what I actually did the math on: what percentage <laughs> of Josh Harris's net there. worth paying five million dollars to his employees would be? Let's say it's fifteen hundred hourly workers, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that for the rest of the season it costs five million dollars. I don't even think it's that much, but I think it's probably let's, pretty close to that. Yeah, ballpark. let's call it over. Um, it is point zero zero one three percent of his net worth to help out his employees in this time of year. 0.0013%. Just, there is no circumstance where Josh Harris should get off the hook. There's no way. There's no way. That's like the equivalent of us taking $130 out of our pocket. Yes. That's how much $3.7 billion is. What an asshole. Just, like, think about it. I I get it with Tillman Fertitta. I mean, that dude's broke, but like... (laughs) 
which, by the way, I mean, there is a reckoning coming ultimately um, as much as uh, the country is apparently just going to get back on track uh, this upcoming week, which, by the way, just means that we're going to have another shutdown. Um, fucking morons. Uh, sorry. Uh, but like there's no way that there are people going through turnstiles before July, maybe late June if we're lucky. Um, yeah. And that's probably only for outdoor games. So uh, there's a reckoning coming for a lot of these leagues in terms of, you know, the NHL is lucky in the sense that the season was almost entirely over. Um, but some of these NBA teams, I mean, they already have roughly, and this is an estimate just from conversations I have, roughly half the teams in the league are in the red to begin with. Uh, teams, teams in smaller markets who don't have big, you know, local TV deals require a lot of gate money. They're typically not yeah. bringing in a ton of gate money. Uh, Which, I mean, by the way, is why I am concerned about people bringing up the idea of, oh, yeah, we'll just, you know, close down the uh, start of the season or the end of the 2019-20 NBA season in August or September, mm-hmm. and then we will start the season at Christmas. A team like Memphis or a team like Charlotte, they're right. not going to be like, yeah, we're going to pass up the gate money that we would get from 10 home games at the start of the year so that we can finish the season. Like, what incentives do we have to vote for that? You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not solvent. I mean, they, they wouldn't be – there is a real question if certain teams will be solvent <laughs> out of this whole thing. And um, I don't know if there's a way to guarantee that every – major, you know, every major professional sports league, uh, the big four in North America, that every team makes it. Um, well, we were just, uh, you know, we, last week we were talking about Australian football. Yeah. And Australian football played their first weekend this weekend and then decided yeah. that they had to close it down yeah. because of government regulation, basically. Stunner. I was yeah. stunned that um, they were playing in the first place, but I, I was too, but it. God did I love it until Essendon gave up like 30 points in the fourth quarter and almost lost. I watched that game. Um, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> but they're now like telling players that they're going to have to take somewhere between a 50 and 79% wages hit mm-hmm. over the course of the next couple months. And these players are like, yeah, sure. We'll give you 50%. Like they're, they're even conceding essentially the 50%. There's no uh, money coming in. Cause there's no money coming in. So it's just kind of crazy. Like teams that are less solvent and those include AFL teams mm-hmm. are really Gonna struggle. And this is inherently also leagues, right? Like this is leagues that are less solvent. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Major League Baseball, roughly thirty percent of all revenue comes from the gate. Uh, NHL, more than a quarter. Uh, now, luckily, the NHL has that big Canadian TV deal because otherwise <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be straight fucked. But um, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, we talk about Josh Harris as the owner of the Sixers. It doesn't shock me at all that as the owner of the New Jersey Devils, he feels like he needs to, you know, he needs to cut cut costs. Now, yeah. the, the way that he should be thinking about it is I'm going to go into my own pocket to do this. This is this is my burden to carry as the owner of the team. And uh, certainly the value of the team, the teams has gone up. I can't speak to the Devils, but certainly the 76ers has gone up dramatically um, and that I yeah. can tap into a, a bit of that value down the line. It will continue to go up in the years to come. But the NHL is going to have a real a real issue. And, you know, they've had the Arizona Coyotes or the Phoenix Coyotes, or whatever the hell they're calling them now. Um, that was a team that was in essentially it was owned by the NHL. Uh, 
you, you see the the New Orleans Hornets in there, you know, or, 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 or before the Bensons bought them. And by the way, you know, who knows what's going on with the Bensons? Like, it, there's a big issue there. Uh, the Paul Allen Trust that owns the Blazers, there's an issue there. Uh, it's a trust, which means that a lot of money of that is in the stock market. Like, that's a big yeah. problem. Tillman Fertitta is now on his second, uh, well, I guess it's his, like, fourth mortgage to pay for it. Um, Adam Silver and David Stern, before that, did not do a good job of vetting the financial viability of owners. They didn't, that a lot of these guys would not pass a reasonable stress test. And holy shit, are they about to be stressed? Michael Jordan can get away with it with Charlotte. Now he won't want to because he's cheap, but Lord knows he's got the cash. Um, but yeah, Memphis, yeah, they have a billionaire owner. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he can make it happen. I don't know what Jerry Reinsdorf's deal is. Like there, there are certain, there are a lot of places where you look at it and you go, uh, I don't know what that's going to look like. You add in a dramatic loss of just overall league revenue. Uh, players in the NBA, I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, because, yeah. because if, if there is a shortened season, uh, <laughs> some of these guys have their contracts tied to a salary cap. That ain't good. Some of these guys are just signing regular flat rate deals. Uh, th- th- there's going to be a weird gap there. Uh, players kind of have the league over a barrel and seemingly everything uh, since they, they basically said no on smoothing and the league didn't say, well, fuck you, we're doing it anyway because it's good for the league. Um, they, that set a precedent that has been pushed forward again and again and again. I'm fascinated to see that showdown. Let's not forget that Major League Baseball is likely to have a strike or a lockout after this upcoming season. Uh, there's there's a lot of questions and there's no guarantee that the NFL is going to start in any sort of normal fashion. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just I do think that we have to take account of the fact that fiscally there is going to be some real issues that come from this. And a lot of the same ways that, you know, everyone's going to feel it, including the goddamn billionaires. And a lot of these guys uh, are not equipped to actually handle it despite having some sort of a B attached to their names. And um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the, you know, what the league does in that regard. Again, I'll say this. I, I'm not a fan of Adam Silver as was well established on this podcast, but uh, sure looks like a better leader than Donald Trump right now. So luckily the bar has been very low. It's very low right now. Yeah. I think it's good that Adam Silver is, you know, trying to be a leader during this time, but yeah. all of this conversation just makes me need a beer and there is too late, buddy. No better beer to have during this time than Coors Light. It is a mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is brewed with a three-step cold process. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. So it's actually made to chill the mountains on Coors lights cold activated bottles and cans turn blue when chilled to perfection born in the rocky mountains of colorado in 1978 Coors light is refreshing crisp and only 102 calories uh look it's a delight i've been finishing the day with Coors light pretty mm-hmm. regularly over the course of the last week and it has just been delightful Coors Light is the beer I choose when the games are on and when the stress is high and basically any time that I need a moment of chill uh you need to celebrate responsibly though Coors Brewing Company uh is from Golden Colorado so uh just make sure that you don't overindulge just celebrate responsibly man amen all right let's uh I, I threw out on Twitter. What do you guys want us to talk about on the podcast? We've gotten through 40 minutes before doing any of these questions. So we did it. 
let's just, you know, run through a few things. So Wes Goldberg, good friend of the program, asked, Dieter's yeah. invite for his NBA draft party at Flanagan's. You were planning on having a draft party at Flanagan's and didn't invite me? Sam, are you familiar with, with the stylings of, of South Florida's finest uh, chain uh, brewery? It's not really a brewery. They don't brew their own beer. Uh, chain um, sports bar. I know of it. I don't know like it. Like I've never okay, been well, in one. Okay, you're you're invited then. That you can you can you can come on down. Well, uh, I haven't decided which one we're gonna do, but uh, just love a good so, Flanagan's. West Goldberg, so like, what, what kind of vibe are we talking here? Are we talking like a shenanigans from waiting? Or no, we talking, no, no. It's um, like, it's how do I put it? It's um, it's dark. Typically dark. All wooden. Uh, it does have some tackiness to the wall, right? A lot of TVs, uh, but it's uh, fisherman themed. But like, it, it's kind of like a, like a like an old dive bar fish shack, and uh, that's what they're all like. And I don't know. They, it's just they, they got the great they got the great green plastic cups that everyone drinks out of. They got a great wing deal at lunch. Uh, Flanagan's. I, I spent way too much time and way too much money when I lived down in South Florida. And uh, when this is all said and done, and who the hell knows when that's going to be, uh, you know, I'm, eh, it, it, might, it might take a while for South Florida uh, comparatively to San Francisco or Los Angeles. But um, whenever, whenever this thing's on the other side, uh, you got you got to savor the good things in life, and you got to you got to hold them close. And that means I got to get back to a Flanagan's, and hopefully that's around the time of the NBA draft. And, and Wes Goldberg, a, a fine South Floridian himself, who. Uh, who has welcomed me into the uh, the lifelong fraternity of South Floridians, for better or for worse, mostly worse, but uh, I'd like to look at the good sides of things. Uh, he knows how much I care about Flanagan's. And, uh, yeah, I just highly recommend it. If you're down there and you haven't gotten the fuck out, one, what are you doing? And, two, get yourself into a Flanagan's. I just, I just want to point out here that uh, – Not sponsored. Someone, someone who uh, goes by Uncle Sam Salad noted mm-hmm. that Dieter seems due for a high-usage show. Nailed it. Dead on. God, I appreciate it. Went, went, uh, full, went full hard in 22 dribbles and going to the foul line. <laughs> Let's see. Do you – how much uh, NBA draft stuff do you want to dive into? Well, this is your foray. I certainly won't um, won't impede well, here, you about, at all in diving one? into it. How about this one? You dive pretty deeply into the NFL draft every year. And I do too, to an extent. Yeah. But – I would be interested in having a very brief conversation with you about what the differences are between the NFL and NBA draft evaluation oh, process. Okay. Um, well, there's a specialization aspect to it, which I think uh, comes into play, right? So um, I would say that there's a lot of similarity perhaps with quarterback evaluation as there is with just general NBA draft evaluation where the aspect of stardom and superstardom does come up, right? Like, is this a guy who feels transcendent? Is this a guy who can take it to the next level? When you're talking about high lottery draft picks, that's kind of what you're looking for, almost irregardless of position. And that's certainly a factor when it comes to um, quarterbacks and to a degree edge rushers. But with the NFL stuff, it feels very specialized and team needs specific 
in a way that even though that does exist and roles are you know highly important at the NBA, it just doesn't feel like that same level of importance is placed on um, immediate needs and uh, long-term needs when, when we talk about NBA prospects. Another thing that I'm starting to look at with the NFL draft particularly, as mm-hmm. well as the NBA draft, is positional values. Mm-hmm. Big time. I think that the NFL, for the most part outside of like the Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott picks has been a bit ahead of the curve in regard to not valuing every position equally. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I had like seven conversations with people today about that specific thing alone when it came to that. It's a very heavy wide receiver draft. I think it's a really good DB draft. And so you take into account, you know, like superstar level, and then you take into account just general level, like, okay, there is a positional scarcity. And you have to kind of treat it like a fantasy baseball draft a little bit in that regard. And I'm interested, you feel like that's permeating more at the NBA level? Right now? It is, yeah. We're starting to figure out that bigs just aren't worth taking unless mm. they're utter superstars uh, at the top end of the draft. Interesting. It's just not worth it. Do you, you think that hurts Weissman when it's all set? It could, yeah. I like I've been saying from the jump that I think his draft range is way wider than what everyone else is saying. When I'm you say saying, wide, what do you mean? Like most people are like, yeah, he'll go like top three, top five. I think it's more like like top nine, something yeah. like that. Which, you know, is like quite literally double as wide in terms of the range. And like I've been doing these stories with, you know, guys like Mike Forkanov and James Mm -hmm. Edwards where like they run through like draft simulations. And like there are some very real draft orders now where I look at it and I'm just like, oh, this could end very badly for James Wiseman. Right. Because – if you just look at like some of these teams, I mean, like I think there's just a chance Golden State doesn't take a center. Right? A very, it's a very good chance. They 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 have been uh, perhaps at the forefront. Nah, I don't know forefront. It's hard to evaluate to other teams. I can tell you this: uh, they certainly don't see center as a position of um, that they want to invest heavy resources into. And by resources, I mean money. Uh, they would rather have a variety of cheap centers that they can mix in and out. Uh, in, in lieu of Draymond, and by the way, they expect to play Draymond at the five more going forward because it's the only way to get any fucking value out of him anymore. <laughs> right. Um, Cleveland traded for Andre Drummond to a likely pick up a player option. Mm-hmm. Minnesota has Carl Towns. Atlanta just traded for Clint Capella. The Knicks have Mitchell Robinson. Chicago has Wendell Carter. Uh, you know, Phoenix has DeAndre Ayton. San Antonio has LaMarcus Aldridge. New Orleans just took Jackson Hayes last year. Portland has both Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic. That's mm-hmm. nine of the 14 teams in the lottery where I just straight up don't think they would take center in the top four. New York Knicks, come on down. Well, the Knicks have Mitchell Robinson. I don't think they would take him. Well, we'll see where they land. And, like, if you're Washington, right? Washington is Thomas Bryant. Like, yeah, I would no be way. happy to upgrade Thomas Bryant. I like Thomas Bryant. I do too, but he might be he's probably best as like a third big man, right? Yeah. I'm looking. Charlotte. Ugh. Charlotte has Cody Zeller. Like, they you can definitely easily, upgrade there. You can upgrade there, but you can very easily make a case otherwise. Detroit just traded away Andre Drummond to, I think, try and rebalance its roster, essentially, right. and get right. something of value for him. Right. So they might not be inclined to take a center. Like yeah. it what about Sacramento? A re- Sacramento, I think, would take a center. Yeah. Um, it <laughs> becomes a very slippery slope 
for these guys at the center position. And I think that more teams are realizing we can just find dudes like, it, yeah. you know, the Hawks just traded number 16 overall for Clint Capella. He's who a really is like, good player. Yeah. Top 15 center in the league. Right. So I'm with if you. you can get a top 15 center who is signed for three more years at a reasonable contract and you can use your like actual draft assets to try and keep taking lottery swings on other positions that are just more inherently valuable, like two way wings and like lead guards, mm-hmm. keep doing it. Like that's, I think where the value is. And I think that NFL teams uh, between the middle linebacker position, right. The interior line position, certainly running backs, mm-hmm. the safeties, I think is another one as well. Yeah. Um, unless you're just like a freak show shit. Well, freak and, that's, show and, and that's kind of what I was saying before. Like there's a star power guy, like Quinton Nelson's a guard, but Quinton Nelson is going to immediately be yeah. one of the best guards in the NFL. He right. is the Same exception with like that Isaiah Simmons. Right. Or, or a, uh, who the hell is the safety for the Jets? Uh, Jamal Adams. Like, you, right. you know, like, fuck it, you just figure it out. Like that guy has it. Uh, it transcends. But then there's everybody else. I think Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Alabama, is like clearly that guy at wide receiver. Now, if I don't get him, I'm very willing to go all the way back to like the third round because I think there's equivalent talents to some guys that are going to be taken in the bottom of the first round. But the NFL has that kind of shit figured out more or less um, yeah. outside of quarterback, in which case they all lose their minds every year and, and make terrible decisions on the whole for good reason. All right. To be fair. Let's, uh, let's see. What else do we got? That's here? a good question, though. What else do we got here? Uh, do the Warriors keep their picks or package them for other things from Matt Moderno? It gets a lot, it gets a lot trickier now. Um, really depends. Like, are we going to get a full playoff? If we get a full playoff, um, then a lot of the, a lot of the you know, results of that feel consequential, right? Um, and so if Giannis doesn't even make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or something, that feels immensely consequential. If, if the Sixers aren't able to do anything, that feels consequential. And a lot of guys, as we have seen in the past couple of off-seasons, then appear to be on the market or could be on the market, in which case the, the Warriors are uh, well-equipped, as well-equipped as almost any team in the NBA, to go out and, and get somebody of uh, some real significance. But if we have a shortened playoffs, it, it just doesn't carry the same punch. And um, perhaps, you know, this entire season just kind of gets thrown to the dumpster and we all reevaluate, you know, it, all these moves and stuff, uh, all the evidence that was necessary to sort of bring these players into this moment of uh, individual agency. Like maybe that just gets pushed to next year. We just, we just send it off. So if I had to bet right now, I would say, let me tell you this. They would prefer that the market is such to where they can go and get somebody with those picks. They would rather have the established yeah. player now as opposed to uh, the the future pick. But right now, I would venture to say it's more likely that they use that pick than they trade it. And, and that's just because uh, who knows what's up and what's down at this juncture and um, if there will be anything for them to, to get on the trade market uh, of, of significant value. Because there is value inherently in, in getting somebody who can, if they feel you know so strongly, um, you know carry carry the torch for the next generation. Steph and Clay and, and Draymond can only go so much further. All right, let's uh, let's see here. We've got we have got because of the volatility of this draft. How about discussing your picks of guys outside the current lottery projections who you believe could become the best player in this class? Okay, you go first. Questions like this are always weird to me as right. someone who literally makes rankings yep. uh, 
of draft prospects because if I thought someone was going to be the best player in the draft or had a shot to be the best player in the draft, I'd probably have them in the lottery somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, in regard to like the guy who could be the best player in the draft that's outside of my lottery right now, uh, um, I don't feel great about any of these guys. Like Devin Vassell is pretty good. I really like him. Like, I think he has a shot. The Florida uh, State kid? Yeah. Patrick Williams, also at Florida State, I think is pretty good. Yeah. Um, Sadiq Bay is really good, but, like, I don't think he's going to be the best player in any draft. I mean, like, yeah. I have Jaden McDaniels at 20 right now. And okay. His ceiling is legitimately, like, best player in this draft, but I would not uh, feel great about the, him reaching it. The Washington wing. What we've seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's who I was going to give you. I, I, I like Nico Mannion. Yeah, there are some real uh, flashing red lights there. I get that. Worry me. I get that. And I don't mean his hair. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of red there. Like, I, I like Nico. I, I think he's going to play in the NBA for a while. He might be a really backup, be backup one. In the NBA. I mean, like, Alexei Pokyshevsky out of uh, Greece and Serbia okay. is very interesting insofar as he moves like a wing as a guy that's seven feet tall he can also shoot it a little bit he has good ball handling ability like he's also just 18 years old and basically a baby in regard to his development and has gotten like zero first division minutes like i think it's hard to feel great about someone like that but i guess he would kind of fit the spirit of the question maybe the way you know, to put it. I, I like david johnson at louisville yeah, I don't think he's gonna leave though. Damn. Well, I thought that was a good idea. He's good. That's a good guy. That's a good one. He's he's a, he's, good. he's got a little Drew Holiday. In there. Yeah, I'm I'm here for that. Bigger guard, good passer. Yeah, I like yeah, that. I'm here for that. Good defender. Yeah. Um. All right. What are your thoughts on Michael Porter Jr. over the next one to three years? And should the Cavs see if they can get any asset for Sexton or Garland? Um. Well, they got to get an asset for one of the two of them because I don't. It doesn't seem like uh, both of them can stick around. Yeah, I would agree. Um, we talked about that a couple pods ago. Yeah, um, like I'm, I'm not a fan of the pairing whatsoever. And I guess the better question is, which one would you keep, Colin Sexton or Darius Garland? I'd keep Sexton, but I, I agree I, with that for what it's worth. I think he's just got an it factor that I don't see in Garland, but I think Garland is going to be good. But as you said the last time we talked about this, like you just can't have that as your backcourt. You can't close with that. And if yeah. you can't, if you can't close with a top, if, if, if a top whatever pick has to be on the bench as you're rebuilding in, in closing time, um, that ain't good. So one of them got to go. Um and I think this actually might be a, a, a good draft to maybe, you know, take advantage of that. Um, I don't know. I mean, the problem is there are a million lead guards in this draft. So what, are you going to trade a real asset for a lead guard instead of just taking one? Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, as uh, I, think for, that, I think they're in a yeah. tough spot to be able to uh, actualize that value, basically. At least they'll know which one they like more when it's all said and done. <laughs> I don't think there's a clear answer there, which makes it all the worse, right? Like, it's not like either of them are busts. Uh, neither of them no, are no, spectacular. But uh, it's like, yeah, geez, I don't know what to do with that situation. What was the other question of that? Uh, it was, what are your thoughts on Michael Porter Jr.? This is Tears of a Bengal is yeah. this person's name. Well, it's a tremendous um, it's a tremendous uh, avatar name or whatever, screen name yeah. tag. Um 
you see it, you see the flashes, right? You, you see yeah. something. I think, um, I think that he has a chance to be a nice, steady offensive player if he can stay healthy, and that's, of course, the big operative with him. Uh, I have not seen it on the defensive end. His defensive awareness has not looked good to me, and that's not all that unsurprising, but um, fascinated to see if, indeed, the Nuggets decide that they're going to, you know, if he stays healthy and the Nuggets, indeed, decide to trust him a little bit next year. Um, interested to see how that side of the game develops because I think that will ultimately determine if he's a winning player or or just kind of a bench scorer who can get you some buckets as a second unit guy. Yeah, I think he's really uh, quite interesting as a prospect. I, I would venture that he's going to be a starting caliber player at some point, whether so. or not he reaches like the all-star heights of what his pedigree is. I think it's going to depend on how long of a runway he gets without injury. Um, let's, let's not forget the baseline of this, though, which is the Nuggets got him outside of the lottery or just at the end of the lottery? Uh, they got him at 14, yeah. I mean, that's a coup, uh, yeah. considering the talent that he has and understanding the risks, which are still inherently present. Um, this league is about wings, wings that can affect games on both sides of the floor. And uh, it's clear in the flashes that he can affect the game on one side of the floor. If he can give you anything on the defensive end, and if he can give you 30 minutes a night, um, that's a, it's a it's an absolute steal. So yeah. I don't. And I think, think he'll they, do that. Like I think it was a great pick. I think yeah. I think I think it will go down as a really really good pick, and uh, it's just not going to come to fruition very fast. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, or maybe all right. at all. I mean, honestly, there's 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 some downside there, but I, I don't think there's been anything that says that the Nuggets didn't do the right thing in taking that risk. Let's get to the important stuff here. Yeah. Uh, talk about good, bad movies. The movies that you watch when they come on TV that you know are bad, but are uh, enjoyment. So basically, what is your guilty pleasure movie? Uh, Doug Darlington asked that. <laughs> like, I've never heard of that movie. Uh, guilty pleasure movie. Uh, Hot I have a lot of these. So, yeah, Top Gun's a great one. Top Gun is not. Top Gun's great. Uh, Hot Rod, Top Gun. Um... Hot Rod is a good one. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's be real. Like, Fletch is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, Fletch is not a great movie. Uh, like, Fletch is number one on that list, a number one on that list. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Um, does Kicking and Screaming qualify as a good movie? I would say that's a good, bad movie, and I agree yeah. with you. I think Kicking and Screaming is hilarious. I think it's a really underrated movie. By the way, Dick could deserve the an Oscar nomination for that film. Um, yeah. You'll say some, and I'll, 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 I'm certain to agree with you, but uh, I haven't been flipping through the, you know, like, you would think now would be just the peak, like, TNT movie season, but uh, right. just hasn't come through. And by the way, like, the movie that I always stop on and watch when it's on TNT or, like, TBS or something is A Few Good Men, which is inherently a good movie. No, that's definitely just a straight good that's movie. That's a great movie. So, um, does Talladega Nights count? Oh, great call. Talladega Nights is a bad movie that is unquestionably enjoyed. Um, uh, and I really cast. like, I really like A Knight's Tale uh, with you know, Heath Ledger. A lot of people have that one. I am not of uh, a similar ilk, but I, I get it. I get it. Um, you know, I don't I, think Face Off counts, right? Because it has like an eighty percent Rotten Tomato score. I think it counts. I think it's not a very good movie, but it's super awesome, and I love watching it. Um, Face Off is amazing. 
I watch Face Off like once a year, probably. That's pretty good. Um, I don't know. Maybe this. Maybe this counts. Um, so we watched Fighting with my family for like the second. I had seen it. It was my second time seeing it. I just wanted to uh-huh. verify that it was a good movie. But the fact that I didn't feel comfortable that it was a good movie um, when I recommended it to my fiance is like makes me think that it is in fact not a good movie, but was like enjoyable. So that might be a good bad movie. I think it's pretty. I think it's just a good movie. Like it's yeah. just a solid movie. Okay, I, I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. Also on Amazon Prime, Late Night, which is the uh, Emma. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, not a good movie, but I kind I of just it. forgot about it like immediately after watching. Yeah, it, okay, like. so that's just a forgettable movie. I'm, I'm just going yeah. off of recent. Just going off of recent stuff. What about Venom? I have not actually seen Venom. Venom is. Uh, it's not a terror. I don't think it's a badly made movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of just absurd in every way. But I mean, it is I watch more, more Venom, so than a normal superhero movie. Yeah, oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's like totally fucking off the rails. Um, okay. <laughs> but say no more. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. Like, and I watched it a second time, and I think I watched it a, like for the third time. Oh actually. boy. Okay, so you, um, you're all in. A little while ago, yeah. Does Kindergarten Cop count? Yes, it absolutely counts, and that is our perfect number one option. Kindergarten Cop is an awesome movie, and it is inherently terrible. Yeah, Kindergarten Cop is a great bad movie. Are you, we are we you, could do like an want, Arnold want, section of this. Like The Running Man is a great bad movie. You want to you know another one that is going to upset people, but it only proves the point further? Billy Madison. Billy Madison's a great bad movie. It's for sure a bad movie, though. It's a terrible film. <laughs> <laughs> like it's objectively it's terrible. like barely all the better it seems movie, but it's great. Like Happy Gilmore actually like holds together halfway decently. Um, Billy Madison is just like, what the fuck is this? And yet every time you watch it, and you like, I know all the lines. So that that so has the to movie be I got reminded about yesterday from someone was Sudden Death with Jean Claude oh Van Damme. It was on. I, I saw it come across my screen the other day, and I tried to catch it, but it was the final like minute, so I caught the credits. Yeah, this movie involves Jean Claude Van Damme playing goalie at one point for the yes. Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes. Um, yes. Do I need to say more? No, no. It is. I don't think I do. It's it exceptional. Is incredible. Right. He is, um, spends most of the time on the roof of the igloo. Yeah. Shout out the Civic Arena, baby. I love it. Uh, good old, good old Pittsburghers. They're my favorite, having been one myself. Um, <laughs> How many Coors Lights have you had? Eh, none today, unfortunately. Uh, okay, so uh, just normal weird. Just normal weird stuff for me today. I've been watching the uh, Marvel movies, though. So I'm, like, re-watching all of the Marvel movies right now. Yeah, I get that. And... How many of those have you seen? Well, I feel like you haven't seen all of them. I saw the first Captain America and then didn't see any of the other ones. I finally okay. saw I finally saw uh, Thor Ragnarok the other day. That's a very good movie. I like that. Ragnarok is spectacular. I love it unconditionally. Uh, really good. Like Jeff Goldblum, incredible. Uh, like what a casting. Uh, I saw both of the Avengers movies, but the first one I had to turn to Heather like every 15 minutes and be like, who's that guy? You mean Infinity War and Endgame? Because there are four yeah. Avengers movies. Okay, well, the, the latter two. Okay. Let me just put it this way. I have Disney Plus, and I have the means by which to uh, watch all of these films, and I probably should do it. You should at least watch uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Okay. Because every fucking time I watch that movie, I'm just like sitting there and I'm like, this movie fucking rips. Okay. Like, it is... 
unreal how good that movie is. I think it is probably oh man, it's got to be in one of my, it's like one of my five favorite movies. I think it's like wow. just a straight up good movie. It's not like a uh, oh this is like a bullshit superhero movie. It's like a straight up awesome like spy thriller movie. Okay, respect. Having said that, I did watch. I did have to get through the Incredible Hulk and Thor: The Dark World. Yeah. And you made the right call just jumping straight to uh, Ragnarok. Got to say Yeah, that. yeah. I saw the original Thor. Actually, I think I saw the second Thor and um, have blotted it out of my memory. The original Thor is fine. It's, it's like fine. kind of forgettable, but it's just – it like exists. Yeah. Thor The Dark World is like actively bad in a lot of ways. Um, it cool. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it just, like, jumps into this weird-ass, like, dark elves plot that they have to, like, do exposition on it for the first three minutes because they're just like, oh, we're going to do this now. And they just, like, give you a data dump at the start to, like, try and ingratiate you into the world. And it's like, oh, no, you shouldn't have done this. This was an error. You have Chris Hemsworth, who is actually funny, and you're making him be very serious. Hey, Sam, you want some breaking news? I do want some breaking news. Per Andrew Greif of the LA Times, Clippers owner Steve Ballmer has reached an agreement with MSG to purchase the Forum through a new company for $400 million in cash. Oh, okay. Cool. The Clippers are going to be playing at the former Great Western Forum. Is that what they're trying to do? Well, they're going to they'll probably tear it down and build a new. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's more the plan. Still, it is interesting because I was living in L.A., uh, as, as you have for many years now, uh, <laughs> when uh, they finished the forum and turned it into like a uh, large but not arena-sized concert venue, like a 10,000, 12,000-seat mm. concert venue. And it is interesting that they like sold that so quickly, considering I know there's not a lot of land, but like... I don't know. It's it might be salvageable in that regard. Interesting. I mean, I mean, four hundred million in cash. It doesn't. I mean, I don't know. I'm no real estate expert here, but that seems like a little. <laughs> Maybe that's just a lot. I don't think that that seems like a ton of money. I mean, it's a lot of money, and like you know, in this time, it's definitely a lot of money, right? For sure. But it's definitely a little bit weird. I would say. Let me see how much it costs to. Um, so it's in Inglewood, and right. uh, da, 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 da. the renovation only costs seventy six million. So goodbye. Sure. Oh, I'm sorry for uh, MSG. I don't think I'm like I don't think I'm knowledgeable enough on this to like feel super strongly about it. I guess. Yeah, it is just interesting that that's where the Lakers played for so very long, and now the Clippers are going to take that land, and yeah, they're, they're going to play there ish maybe because that it has been like a thing brewing underneath the surface of oh, for sure like the nba for a while is there's just like this big like custody battle essentially for the forum yeah between the, the, msc and uh steve ballmer well and the clippers have been very clear that they wanted to take the west side um because otherwise it'd be very difficult for them yeah. uh to uh get a, a massive season ticket base but anybody who no longer wants to brave the 10, uh, I think it would be very, very welcome to have a uh, an arena in Inglewood where you only have to take the 405 instead. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, shit, I lived in Culver City. I would have been much happier to go down to Inglewood than to go to Staples Center. And I had the train. Sure. 
Living in Hollywood, it probably doesn't really matter for me, I guess. Kind of a pain in the ass to get to Inglewood from Hollywood, to be fair. And with oh, so many people true. living in the Valley these days. That's true. A lot of people do live in the Valley now. I do not anymore. You used to live in the Valley. Yeah. Back well, when people, you were there, I was living in the Valley, basically. Yeah. I like the Valley. Um, yeah, but you, can, you, can get, you can get downtown easy enough. Like, I, I get it. But having lived on, on the west side, it's an entirely different city. So Yeah, it is. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Okay, so I watched Tiger King. I have not watched Tiger King. Should I watch it? Let me put it to you this way. I watched all of the Tiger King in one sitting. So, over under sudden death. Oh, God, that's a good question, Sam. Um, the fact that you're debating it makes me feel like I have to watch it. You're going to have to watch it. I don't think uh, you have much of a choice in this matter. Uh, it's certainly worth watching in its entirety. It is not great for the state of Oklahoma, though. It is not. In what a, way? Just watch it. <laughs> the entire the entire thing takes place in the state of Oklahoma and Tampa. And um, yeah, there was there Shout was a po- Tampa. there was a point uh, in episode four of this six or seven or eight part documentary series that I turned to Heather and I said, maybe the coronavirus isn't such a bad thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ! There were so many times through this incredibly edited uh, just view of in sheer insanity that I literally threw my hands up and said, what the fuck is going on? Awesome. Um, and, the story, and the storyline was in no way confusing. That is, uh, that, that is next for me after I finish my Marvel movie rewatch. I will watch. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you can, <laughs> I don't know if you can delay it. It's, it is. Sam, when I tell you it is batshit insane, I mean it in every way, shape, and form. Is it? Have you watched Don't Fuck With Cats? I have not. That should be next for you. Don't Fuck With Cats is good. Is this about big cats? No. It's better if you go in not knowing... Is this about the butthole cut? No. It's better if you go in not knowing what Don't Fuck With Cats is. Because you will just lose your shit. Okay. Okay. I'm scared. I don't want to do it. It's... It's great. I loved it so much. Uh, This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Dieter, please tell the people (laughs) where they they can find your work. Yeah, uh, just follow me at Dieter, D-I-E-T-E-R. It's it's mostly uh, inane political ramblings at this juncture, but we'll we'll get back to sports at some point, right? Yeah. Uh, So far, uh, since I've last podcasted, I released a mock draft. I released... Three articles uh, with, like, team-specific needs. I wrote about the uh, Detroit Pistons with James Edwards in their draft. I wrote about um, the Denver Nuggets with Kendra Andrews in their draft. And then I wrote about Miami with Andre Fernandez uh, discussing their draft. I think tomorrow I'm going to have one on the Knicks as well so go to the athletic and be prepared for that uh the rookie scale rankings i'm actually getting a chance to go back and write now which is fantastic um i think that's all i've got for you guys so uh, until next time we'll talk soon bye